Ladies and gentlemen, I've held back a lot. As much as I go off, I've held back a lot over the years. Not anymore. I'm not holding back. I'm sick and tired of that nonsense. I'm about to undress a few folks. Not by name. But I'm about to undress a few folks with that mode of thinking. Here I come. Buckle up. And I want to warn y'all. These words are not the words of ESPN. They're mine. Welcome to TNT Sports Talk. My name is Travis Karczewski. I'm your host for you today. Thank you to our guy Stephen A. Smith for that intro. We have a huge show planned for you today. One of the best shows we've ever had because it's March Madness and... March Madness is the most exciting time of the year, and we'll get into all that as to why. Got a nice couple facts for you. You Got some football stuff to deal with, some free agent news to clean up. Got some baseball news, some fun stories. Just a straight-up fantastic show for you today. And as always, we're presented by my guy Dom at D's Home Cuts. Uh, But again, fantastic show for you today. Today is... March 19th, we are right in the thick of it in terms of March Madness, and I let me tell you guys, I cannot be more excited. March Madness is right up there with the most exciting time in sports of the entire year. Um, you could even say it is the most exciting time in sports um, for the rest of the year. March Madness is so different from every other sport. Every other sport has their own different ways of doing championships and deciding who the best team is overall. I think March Madness is one of the best, if not the best. You got a field of 68 teams, uh, even more with the playoff play-in games, I believe. But you got a field of about 68 teams. Everybody's everybody's got a chance. From you know Duke to uh, Iona, 16 seed, they all have a chance to win. Now, granted, is it likely that Iona will win? Is it likely that you see? Uh, who is that team? Greensboro or something? Oh, Gardner Webb. Is it is it likely that Gardner Webb is going to win the championship? No, it's probably going to end up being a number one or a number two seed. But at the end of the day, everybody's got a chance. You love seeing these smaller schools getting a shot to go out there and uh, represent their school with pride and hopefully get a big upset in the first round. Because honestly, you really only got to win six straight games, and it's very difficult to do. But, you know, every time you step onto that court, you know, everybody's equal. You know, once you get in, everybody's equal. It doesn't matter what seed you are, really. You just got to beat the opponents that are laid out in front of you. And like uh, North Carolina State did back in the day, uh, you just got to survive in advance. That's the goal. You just survive in advance every single round that you are given. And you just keep moving every single second of every single day. So we're going to get into my bracket. A little bit later, uh, first I wanted to go through some facts about March Madness. I thought they were interesting. I was researching this yesterday. I thought I'd throw this in there because uh, it's also pretty interesting. Again, March Madness is a unique time of year. Not only is it exciting, you could put it right up there with every single thing in sports. That first weekend, the second weekend's great too, but that first weekend, that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there's nothing like it. When the games come on at noon, you know, you're sitting in school. I remember we used to sit in school, and uh, the games would come on at noon, so I'd have about two to three hours still left of school. And even football practice, I'd have to go to football practice after. So we'd have you know, three to four hours where you couldn't really get to a TV and the games would be on, and you got your bracket, obviously. Um, and you'd watch it on your phone. you try to have it on your phone or, you know, 
possibly you get a cool teacher, you know, a cool substitute teacher that would throw it on the big screen for you and you'd watch it. Uh, and every all the guys usually are the ones huddling around trying to get the scores. You know, I used to remember I didn't have, uh, you know, I couldn't really watch it on my phone because the Wi-Fi wasn't great and it was really spotty. So what I would do is I would I get a radio app and I'd listen to it on the on uh, during class during study hall or whatever. I'd put my put a headphone in and listen to it in the uh, in the study hall and I would try to get you know stats stuff like that trying to figure out who was going to get the upset and who was going to make my bracket great or who was going to bust my bracket so march madness like i said it's really a unique time of year you know at work nobody's really working because everybody just wants to get through whatever you have to get through so you can get home get on your couch and watch this it's interesting uh what is it businesses lose an estimated 2.1 billion dollars on lost work and wages during the tournament guys don't work people don't work during this time of year nobody wants to work that thursday friday honestly it should just be a national holiday i know we say that about a lot of things but nobody wants to work when you know you see uh, Irvine's beating Kansas State at 130 and you got Kansas State going to the Sweet 16, you know, Elite Eight. Nobody wants to work during that time, but you have to. You got to do your experience. You got to you got to do your uh commitments, which sucks, but that's why it's so awesome. I love it. 10.5 billion dollars will be wagered on March Madness, whether it's through bracket pools, different games, individual bettings. People love to bet and March Madness there's no better time. Uh, of the year to bet than March Madness because there's just so much going on. It's so much fun. Uh, but don't think you'll ever really get a perfect bracket. Bracket. It's really almost nearly impossible. One, the chance of getting a perfect bracket is one in 9.2 quintillion chance to get a perfect bracket. I don't even know if quintillion's a number. That's the number I got when I looked it up. So it's basically impossible for you to get a perfect bracket. bracket. But we try every year. And every year, it's, it's like a lottery ticket almost, but it's a lot more fun. Because every year, you know, you fill out this bracket and you never get it right. You think, you know, you're pretty confident confident heading into that. You know, I fill it out on Monday, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday afternoon, I'm pretty confident. Thursday morning, I'm pretty confident. Maybe you get the first couple games right. You know, maybe, you know, you, that number one seed actually beats the 16 seed like you picked and you're feeling good. But then the next thing you know, you know, you turn away for a second, you go do your schoolwork, and you, you know, you check the stats real quick, and next thing you know, 14 seeds beating a three seed at halftime, and, you know, your face just drops, and you realize you have that number three seed going to the final four, and your whole thing is screwed up, and you're going to get made fun of, but when you pick it right, there's nothing else, you know, nothing else matters, you feel like the man. Uh, but go ahead. Everybody's going to just relax, sit back. Our pizza orders are going to increase by 20% over the next couple of weeks because nobody likes to leave their house. Everybody loves that stat where uh, vasectomies for men increase a lot during this time because men get a chance to get off of work and they can just sit on the couch and watch it. And that's what we all strive for as sports fans, to have no commitments during this time of year and just spend Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the next two weeks on the couch watching college basketball. You may not even watch college basketball all the time during the year. You may not even watch a second of it during the year. You might not know anything about college basketball, but it's still a lot of fun, and I love doing it uh, every single year. So I made a bracket yesterday. I still do. I do the uh, online bracket. I'll go ahead and I'm in a couple bracket groups this year. I'll fill out a couple brackets. Um, 
online, but I only do one bracket. I only make one bracket for me, and I write it out. I'm kind of old school that way. I like to write it out. I like to have the ink under my fingers. you got to do it in ink. If you do it in pencil, you're a cheater. And then what I do is during the week, I will go ahead and highlight teams that I got right, highlight teams that I got wrong in different colors because I'm organized like that. But I made a bracket yesterday in ink, and then you go ahead and sign it once you're done so people know you're you're true. And then, like I said, I'll enter it in, and I don't do two brackets. My one bracket, I will use that for everything. I trust it. I don't understand why people make 24, 25 brackets. If I make a decision, I trust that decision, and I stick with it from till the end. I ride and die with my bracket um, till the end. But I'm not going to go through every single, you know, matchup, every single game. What I was going to do is give you guys a couple upsets in each, you know, region of the bracket. And then I'll give you my final four. So for me, we go to the east, which is the upper right again. Upper left, sorry. Again, I don't understand why they do these, you know, east, west, midwest thing. Everybody just sees it as upper left, upper right, bottom left, bottom right. But upper left, um, that Duke region. My big upset from there is the 14-seed Yale Bulldogs beating the 3-seed LSU Tigers. I think a lot of people are picking this. LSU, Will Wade, their coach, uh, he got suspended for an NCAA infraction slash investigation going on right now. He got suspended, and you know, not a lot of, not a lot of people um, know what's going on with LSU right now or where, when Will Wade will be back. I doubt he'll be back for this you know, tournament, even if they go far, but they did not look good in the SEC tournament. LSU did not show out. Yale's got a pretty good team. I can't remember his name, but they have one pretty good NBA type of prospect for them. I would go Yale here because LSU's kind of lost right now. I know they're a three seed, and it's kind of bold to pick a 14 over three, but I would ride Yale if I were you. Next, we'll go bottom left, West region. Gonzaga's the number one seed. Here, I don't have really any major upsets in the first round. I think I'm taking Marquette over Murray State because I trust Marquette. I think Marquette's deeper than Murray State. I think people, you know, look at uh, Murray State and they see John Morant. And John Morant's, besides Zion Williamson, he's the best player in this tournament. And they think, oh, I got to pick Murray State. But, you know, Marquette's got Howard. Howard's is as good, maybe a little bit, you know, Worse, but not that much than uh, John Morant. But at the end of the day, Marquette has more depth than Murray State. So I'm taking Marquette. Plus, my dad's a big Marquette guy, so i got to root for them. Uh, But again, in that region, my biggest upset is I'm taking Syracuse to beat Baylor in the first round. And then, obviously, I'm taking Gonzaga. And then I'm taking Syracuse to beat Gonzaga in the second round, in the sweet, to get to the Sweet 16 in round two. I'm having Gonzaga lose to Syracuse. It seems like every year, Syracuse sort of limps into the tournament, and they don't really show out that much, and most people you know, don't pick them, and they get a lower seed. Like I said, they got an eight seed here. But when they get into the tournament, it's like sort of Michigan State. They flip some sort of switch. I don't know where that switch is located, in the bowels of the Syracuse arena or in the practice field where they just pr- flip this switch where they know it's tournament time. And that defense starts to look a little bit more fierce. You know, the offense figures it out, sort of. 
I trust Syracuse in the tournament. I don't trust Gonzaga. Gonzaga has been historically good program the last couple of years. They've never reached a Final Four. They don't perform well in the tournament. And every year it seems like they get the number one seed and people say this is the year that they get to the Final Four. This is the year they prove everybody wrong. And they just never do it. And I don't trust that. I trust Syracuse more than I trust Gonzaga in the tournament. So that's why I made that pick. Uh, we'll go to the South Region upper right. I picked UC Irvine over Kansas State. This is one of those things. When I pick a bracket, this is what I do. When I'm going through, if I'm feeling you know motivated, I'll go on and I'll type in individual matchups into the Google search bar, and I'll research it a little bit. When I say research, I mean I'll click on, click on one or two articles about the game, and I'll read what people are saying. But I can almost talk myself into any lower seeded team in these type of games and I talked myself into UC Irvine over Kansas State and here's why I talk here's here's how I talked myself into it they're playing at the SAP arena the San Jose SAP arena um, that's where the Sharks play the hockey team that's really close to UC Irvine it's about an hour away from campus so I take that as sort of a home game I also have this sort of gut feeling the Kansas State they're without their best player uh, I don't really, I forget his name, but I think UC Irvine is one of those teams that you just look and you're like, what the hell is going on? How is UC Irvine? I don't know. I just have a gut feeling. It's not a strong reason. Uh, you probably have a gut feeling about another team, but this is my team right now. I got two, two really good Cinderella underdog teams and UC Irvine is one of them. And my next is in the, in the other bracket that we'll talk about in a second. I don't trust Kansas State. I don't trust UC Irvine. I think this is a play-up, throw-up game. I think home field man matters. I think getting you know some more fans in the arena matters. And I think UC Irvine has made a couple upsets in the past. I trust them. I'm taking UC Irvine here in this game. Then we'll go bottom right, my last upset pick. Northeastern over Kansas. A 13 over a 4 seed. So I'm picking two 13s over two 4 seeds with... You know, I'm taking UC Irvine over Kansas State, and I'm taking Northeastern over Kansas. Not into Kansas teams this year. Now, this one I have a little bit more reason for, a little bit more research, which we'll talk about again. This is from me typing into the search bar, Northeastern versus Kansas predictions. And this is what I got from the first article and only article I read. Kansas State, Kansas, sorry, not Kansas State. Kansas struggles with teams who shoot a lot of threes. Northeastern is 14th in the country in three-point percentage, 22 in the country in the amount of threes they take. They shoot a lot of threes, and they make a lot of threes. Can't, Northeastern is a fast, you know, sort of offense. They got four guys who can shoot it, and they will shoot it anytime they touch the ball, and they have a glimmer of hope to make it. Anytime they're open, they're going to shoot. That hurts Kansas. Kansas struggles a lot versus teams who can do that. And that's why I think, you know, Kansas hasn't been great this year. They were big last year in the tournament. They let me down big on the tournament last year. Um, you know, I, I would have won my bracket pool if Kansas would have beat, I think it was Villanova. And that hurt me a lot. So maybe I have a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth from that. And maybe, you know, this is stupid taking these type of teams, but I'm taking Northeastern uh, at the end of the day. And I don't have Northeastern going, you know, the Sweet 16. I have Auburn taking them out then. So it's not that much skin off my nose if that were to happen. So that's what I'm going to take there. My final four, it goes Duke, Michigan, Virginia, North Carolina. And then I have Duke, North Carolina in the final with North Carolina winning it. 
which is funny because I have a big X in my national championship uh, box because I had Duke there first, but I switched that to North Carolina uh, by a score of 86 to 82. Got to have that tiebreaker in there. You're going to come at me, you're going to say, you know, having three number one seeds and a number two seed in your final four is not risky enough. But at the end of the day, it's my bracket. You can make your own bracket. I usually do crazy final fours. I usually do, you know, dumb final fours that, you know, really don't make much sense. And I usually end up becoming, you know, last place or second to last place in my bracket pools. I'm playing it safe this year. I'm trusting my gut. I think Duke is the best team in this tournament. I think North Carolina is the second best team. And I think when those two get together, uh, something clicks for North Carolina. I think Roy Williams sort of has Coach K's number. And they turn it on. And, uh, you know, they've beaten North Carolina's beaten Duke two out of three times. And then that third game was sort of a throw-up game. You know, I know Duke had Zion. But I don't know. I trust North Carolina more than I trust Duke in the national championship game. And that's what I'm going to take right now. But I think Michigan's a pretty good team as well. And I think Virginia, you know, proves me wrong. Now, Virginia has a big job to do. Virginia, I picked them to go and win the national championship last year. I picked them to win. And they lost first round versus 16 seed. Number one seed lost to 16 seed. First time ever. If Virginia loses... If they don't make it to the Sweet 16, Virginia is officially canceled in my mind. I'm never picking Virginia to do much ever again in the tournament if they if they don't at least get to the Sweet 16. They have to at least win two games for me to first for me to start um, coming around to the idea of picking them again in future brackets. If they lose again in the first or second round, I'm done. I'm out on out on Virginia in their stupid full court press defense. I'm out. If they lose in the first round. So I'm giving them another shot. Uh, I think last year was a little bit of a fluke. I'm giving them another shot. But that's my bracket. And that's how it pans out from there. Now we're going to move to football. But again, March Madness is one of the greatest times of the year. We're going to talk about it more on Thursday. Uh, We're going to record the show early in the morning before the games start. Give you a couple more insights into some of the matchups that will be going on for that day. But again... That's where we're going, March Madness. Let's now let's move to football because while March Madness is the is the best time of the year, football is the best sport all year round. Very few sports, you know, really captivate the nation all year round. It's very very difficult to do, and football just plays it perfectly. You know, last week with free agency opening up, that first week of March, you know, I love doing this show. But there is no better weeks than those because you just go down the line, storyline after storyline after storyline, makes it a lot easier to talk about it and to fill up an entire show. Now we slow down a bit, but you know we only got three free agent signings to really want to talk about today. But still, it's just so much fun. Now, another thing that's really fun is Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be back in the NFL next year. He's going to start 16 games next year for the Dolphins. Signed a two-year deal with them. He's going to be the starter. From what I've heard, from what I've seen, from what I've read, the Dolphins love Tua Tagovailoa or Tua. They love him. And what I've heard is they really want to get him next year in the draft. I don't know where two is going to go. I think it's going to be you know, pretty evident on what he does this season. I think that's the big deciding factor on where he goes in the draft next year. 
nobody's going to, you know, doubt that he is one of the top quarterback, you know, prospects next year. Uh, I think Herbert is the number one guy, but two will be right there. I think the Dolphins with Fitzpatrick, he's going to be just good enough to where you're, it's not 100% clear that you're tanking for Tua, but he's also going to be just bad enough to keep you in that Tua, that 5 to 12 range in terms of draft pick next year. I love Fitzpatrick, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick is one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. You know, we've, you've seen it in the couple interviews we've done with guys who have worked closely with Fitzpatrick. We always ask questions about him because we love him. Me and Truman both, we are just huge fans of him, and I cannot wait to see him back in the NFL next year. He's going to be looking good in those Miami uniforms, nice, tight, you know, white Miami uniforms with that beard. He doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. Which kind of sucks. He's going to be thrown to like Devontae Parker. And you know, he's got Kenyon Drake. But I mean, that's honestly about it. You know, they got Kenny Stills. They got some good guys there. But there's going to be a couple games next year where you just are in awe of what this guy did, what he's done, what he's doing. Uh, there's going to be a couple games where Kenny Stills looks like one of the best receivers in the NFL. Devontae Parker puts up three touchdowns. And then there's going to be some games where you are just shocked at how bad he is. But I love him. I think he is one of the most exciting quarterbacks of all time. And low key, he could be a Hall of Famer. I'm just saying. I don't. I'm gonna get a lot of flack for that. He has more touchdown passes than Troy Aikman. He hasn't been consistent enough. But when he's on, he's there's nobody better than Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I'm just gonna say that right now. I'm gonna stick my chest out with that. Fitzpatrick could be a Hall of Famer. That's all I'm saying. But some free agent news other than Ryan Fitzpatrick is Ha Ha Clinton Dix, that little trader, signed a one-year deal with the Bears. Now people are going to come and they're going to say, Travis, why are you calling Ha Ha a trader but you're praising Amos from coming to the, for coming to the Packers? Because it doesn't work that way. People don't go from Green Bay to uh, Chicago. People go from Chicago to Green Bay. Because Green Bay is 100 times better than Chicago. What people are going to realize, what, these, what HaHa is going to realize, he has never had it better than what he had it in Green Bay. He understands, he's going to understand how truly horrible Chicago is. And what I think Bears fans, Bears fans, they do this thing, they're delusional. What they like to do is uh, sort of change their viewpoint on a player to fit their sort of narrative. So they saw HaHa last year. They saw how bad he was with the Packers. He blows a lot of coverages. He misses a lot of tackles when he actually tries for the tackles. And, you know, honestly, he shows a really, you know, large lack of effort. It's pretty clear. You know, some plays, he'll make plays. He's a playmaker. He will make, you know, he'll get you a couple of interceptions. He may even lead your team in interceptions. And he may give you one or two a season, you know, really good, strong tackles behind the line. That's what HaHa does. But he's not consistent enough to do that. He will make plays, but then these plays end up, you know, then two to three plays later, the same, you know, guy he made a play on will be running down the field and HaHa will be 20 yards behind him. He's a traitor. You know, I, I just I just can't understand why he went there. And, you know, the Packers, I'm probably got a fourth-round pick out of him. Just a first-round bust. He played well in his first and second year, but he just slowly started to go down. He's a great guy. You know, I'm not hating him up for that. You know, it's a football move. I get it, but it just it angers me that somebody would go from Green Bay to Chicago. But I guess, you know, Chicago loves to have our leftovers. Next year, next deal, 
Golden Tate signed a four-year, $37.5 million deal with the Giants. My big question is why. This makes no sense for me. Golden Tate's an older wide receiver. He's sort of reaching, you know, the the, uh, the downturn of his career. I think, you know, the Super Bowl with the, the Seahawks was, was the... Uh, maybe the peak of Golden Tate's career. He's got a good couple years left, but I think he's slowly going to start to decline here. He's going to be the number one receiver now in uh, New York. I'm not really sure why the Giants did this. Why would you trade Odell but then sign Golden Tate? I think Golden Tate would have been a perfect complement to Odell, but now that Odell's gone, it really makes no sense for me why you pay a guy this much money. I'm not, I don't know what the Giants are doing right now. We've talked about it a little bit, but it seems like they're building around Eli right now. Signing a guy like Golden Tate makes it seem like you're building around Eli. Drafting a guy like Saquon Barkley makes it seem like you're building around Eli. But Eli is just not that good anymore. Eli doesn't have it anymore. Giants fans are going to hate me for this. But when when, uh, McAdoo tried to bench Eli a couple years ago and, you know, they got a ton of flack for it, and I think McAdoo did it in the wrong way. I think it didn't make a lot of sense at the time. But honestly, at the base level, benching Eli wasn't a terrible decision. Eli just doesn't have it anymore. I get it. He won you two Super Bowls. He was your franchise quarterback for a couple of years. But it just seems like Giants fans, you know, weren't ready to move on from Eli. And when they started, you know, throw that huge fit, throw that huge tantrum about Eli getting benched. I think that showed. I think that scared the upper management of the New York Giants. I think it scared the GM. I think it scared everybody. You know, the GM got fired from that. They hired Gettleman, and now Gettleman is trying to do everything he can to keep Eli onto that field, because I think he thinks the Giants fans still love Eli, and they do. But I think Giants fans would love Dwayne Haskins even more. So why would you trade Odell Beckham if you're going to be building around Eli? Odell, Odell Beckham is one of the best receivers in football. I think he makes your quarterback, whatever quarterback, 100 times better. And I'm not really sure if they're going to draft Dwayne Haskins at number six, I think they're at, or, you know, what, what they're going to do. But just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And, and, you know, benching Eli, you know, two years ago wasn't the right move. I think Eli had a little bit left in the tank for that. And also, why would you bench Eli for Geno Smith? Geno Smith, everybody sort of agreed he was a bust. You know, they had Davis Webb. I think Davis Webb should have gotten some snaps there. But I digress. It makes no sense for me. But the Giants are just a mess right now. And I think everybody knows that. Next thing we have is Mark Barron signed a two-year, $12 million deal to the Steelers. Mark Barron's a former first-round safety pick. Uh, he got picked to the Buc- Buccaneers. They transitioned him more to a linebacker type of thing. You know, you've seen that a lot this, these last couple of years with safeties. Uh, they get turned into linebackers. You saw that with Dion Buchanan. Uh, a couple other teams are doing that. Mark Barron is sort of the the first guy to ever do that. He's gonna he's gonna try to shore up that that linebacker core with the Steelers, who are still trying to replace Ryan Shazier. But I'm not sure we'll ever be back again. But they're still trying to replace him. And you know, Mark Barron's not a great option to do that. But he was probably the best option still left available. Uh, unless you want to go birth perfect, but I'm pretty sure that the Steelers didn't want to do that. So Mark Barron to the Steelers, two-year, $12 million deal. And that's what, that's pretty much it with free agency. You know, Fitzpatrick, Clinton Dix, Mark Barron, 
Golden Tate are really the only big things that came out over the weekend. There's not that many free agents still left. I mean, there's some names out there that could help your team win. Uh, guys like um, Iggy Ansah, Justin Houston, Randall Cobb still out there. You know, there's some names um, still available, but at the end of the day, nothing that really gets you going a little bit. Just some, I think, some pieces that could help. You know, like Justin Houston's a third down pass rusher. Iggy Ansah is a pretty good pass rusher, but he gets hurt too much. So there's not that many names out there, but there's still some opportunities for your team to add some late talent. You know, and as, as each day sort of ticks by, the talent pool decreases, but the level of uh, money you spend, also the money you have to spend, also decreases as well. So you can find better deals this late, you know, in the free agency period, which is why you know good GMs really pick at this, you know, sort of uh, period. But uh, Ryan Tannehill is our next thing we want to talk about. He was traded to the Titans over the weekend for a fourth and seventh round pick. I expected this, you know, you expected the Dolphins to move on, you know, they signed Fitzpatrick, they've been looking this whole offseason off for a stopgap quarterback, somebody who can, you know, bridge between them and uh, Tua, or whoever they draft, uh, you know, they looked at Tyrod Taylor, they looked at Teddy Bridgewater, and then they ended up with Ryan Fitzpatrick, we knew Tannehill wasn't going to be back, Tannehill first round draft pick a couple years ago, um, we fully, like I said, we fully expected them to move on from him. Uh, he's had a career full of up and downs, ups and downs, and injuries. And now he goes to the Titans, where he will be the backup for an injury-prone Mariota. Uh, immediately makes him the best backup in the NFL. Uh, I'd say it's right there with our next guy that we'll talk about with Blake Bortles. I think it immediately makes Ryan Tannehill the best backup in the NFL, which is good for the Titans. Now, if I'm Marcus Mariota. I don't like this move. I'm pissed off at this move because that's sort of what that does is it shows your second round, second pick overall, first round quarterback, Marcus Mariota, that you don't fully 100% believe in him like you used to. And with good reason. Mariota hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's been inconsistent at times. And I think this year is going to be the year we fully decide, you know, where Jameis Winston and where Mariota are going to go for the rest of their careers. And a guy like Tannehill is going to be a huge help for them. I think Tannehill's still got a lot left in the tank. I think his best football is ahead of him. He has shown that he can play well, and he can play well at the highest level uh, in the NFL. And I think a team like the Titans, you know, Mariota starts to struggle. Let's say Mariota gets injured, Tannehill comes in, lights it up. I think Mariota could easily be benched, and I think Tannehill could take over that job. So I'm not saying it's over for Tannehill just yet. Um, but again, we, we mentioned it. Blake Bortles signed a deal with the uh, Rams. I'm not sure how many years or how much money. He's going to be the backup now for Jared Goff. Again, another fantastic backup. You can hate on Blake Bortles all you want. He's one of my favorite NFL players. I love Blake Bortles. I love him as a person. I think his game is very underrated. I think people hate on him a lot more than they should. I think the problems in Jacksonville last year were not due all in part to Blake Bortles. And I think they, they gave up on him too quickly. And I think Sean McVay is going to be able to fix him up nice and right. But he's the type of person where he doesn't really care if he has to be a backup. He knows you know being in the NFL is a gift and you know you shouldn't take that for granted you know third overall pick a couple years ago has he been sort of a bust I guess you could say so but I mean he did take the Jaguars to the AFC championship game and almost to the Super Bowl right there um they just couldn't get it done at the end 
But Blake Bortles now to the Rams, so some backup news there. Uh, some other news, Jordy Nelson was cut by the Raiders over the weekend. He's 33 years old. He visited the Seahawks yesterday. I'd love for the Packers to bring him back. I don't think they will. Um, as much as fans love Jordy, as much as Jordy loves Green Bay, as much as Aaron Rodgers loves Jordy, we just don't have um, the need for an older wide receiver right now. We need a true uh, number two, a compliment to Devontae Adams, and I just don't think Jordy's the guy who can do that. I think um, getting, I think Geronimo Allison has a better shot. I think Mark, Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a shot. Um, and I'm not giving up on Juwan Moore just yet. I just don't want to give up on those type of guys. And even if we do draft the guy, like I don't want to give up on them just to bring back Jordy Nelson. Now, if we bring back Jordy and we say, you know, you're going to be the fourth or fifth guy, uh, I would love to do that as well. But I just don't think Jordy wants to do that right now. He's still young-ish, 33 years old. Um, I just don't think he wants to give up uh, on his shot at being a number two or possibly even being a number one. And the Seahawks, he could be a number two with the Seahawks. But that's it for that. That's our last NFL storyline. But for our last football storyline, Johnny Manziel has signed a deal with the AAF. He is going to join the Memphis Express. He was practicing with them yesterday. Uh, they need some quarterback help. Again, I'm not a big AAF guy. Uh, I've sort of you know, fallen out on it the last couple of weeks. I've my interest in it has waned over the last couple of weeks. I watched it the first couple of weeks, but just, I don't know, just doesn't really seem that appealing to me anymore. And now with March Madness going on, you know, I probably won't tune in. But this is exactly the type of deal that gets fans and gets me back in on the AAF. This is exactly what they needed. This is going to bring a huge fan base to the AAF. Uh, in Canada, it was huge news when Johnny Menzel went to the Canadian Football League. And we didn't really get to watch it because there's not that much uh, coverage of the Canadian Football League down here in America. But CBS and all these big networks are going to be cramming to get Johnny Manziel on the TV. And a bunch of people are going to watch it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, this is his third opportunity, though. And I don't, I'm not really sure how many more opportunities we're going to be giving this guy. He's blown, you know, his, he blown, he's blown a lot of opportunities in the past. Not really sure how many more we're going to give to him. But I would say if I was a betting man, I'd say this is this is his last shot. I don't know if he'll ever get back to the NFL again, but if he wants to sort of make it, you know, a good professional football career, this is his, you know, last shot. And the AAF is a great opportunity for him. And this is why I love having a league like this, because now we have um you know, opportunities for guys who haven't had opportunities in the past. I think it gives, you know, small-time guys and big-time guys who screwed up their first opportunity in the NFL an opportunity to possibly get back to the NFL. And we haven't had that guy yet who can make the jump from AAF to NFL. I think we'll get some guys this season. But, oh, sorry, yawning, but sorry. Um, but I think it would be a good opportunity to see if Johnny Manziel has a little bit left in the tank. And Memphis needs it. You know, they benched Hackenberg. Mettenberger got a, got a, an ankle injury over the weekend. So they do need a starting quarterback. And Mike Singletary is going to have his hands full with Johnny Manziel. But it's going to be fun. And uh, I think it's a great move for the AAF and for Memphis Express overall. So Johnny Manziel to the AAF like we predicted a couple weeks ago. 
Now we're going to move on to the NBA. Uh, not a ton of things I want to talk about, but before that, I had to remind you guys our show is brought to you by D's Home Cuts. D's Home Cuts is the best place around Northeast Ohio for a great haircut at a low price. For only $7, D's Home Cuts will provide you with a modern haircut and styling. If you don't know what kind of cut you like or what kind of cut would look good, go to D's Home Cuts and he will give you the best haircut possible to make sure you are looking your best for whatever event whatever day, or even if it's just a regular day, you got going on. D's Home Cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. Check them out on Instagram at D's Home Cuts. That's where you can find out uh, a bunch of videos if you want to get sort of a reference as to what kind of cuts he does or what, you know, you know what I mean, different things he does um, with the trimmer. Or you can send him a DM and set up an appointment. It's easy, it's quick, it's cheap, it's a great haircut, best haircut you'll ever have. Me, Truman, 90% of the guests we've had on the show have gotten their haircut at these at least once. Dom has been on the show himself. So uh, I trust it. I wouldn't support a product if I didn't trust it. These home cuts, professional haircuts at a low price. Russell Westbrook got suspended for Monday night's game versus the Warriors. I believe that was last night um, for his 16th technical foul this season. Russell Westbrook has been one of these interesting superstars the last couple of uh, seasons because he's so he's a lot different than usual. And oh wait, they didn't play. Um, he's going to be suspended. He got suspended. Okay, I got these mixed up. All right, he got where is this? Um. He got suspended for a technical foul he picked up in... He got suspended for last night's Miami Heat game, and they lost that game, all right? Let's let's fix this up. Let's clean this up here. He got suspended for a technical foul he committed on Saturday's Warriors game in which Klay Thompson blocked his shot, sort of. It was a little aggressive on Klay Thompson's part, but not not something to where you think, oh, Klay Thompson just meant to uh, be a dick there. Klay Thompson, you know, is one of the nicest superstars in the NBA. But anyways, Russell Westbrook took it the wrong way, and he full-on ran into Klay Thompson, picked up his 16th technical foul, and he got suspended. Now, I'm going to tread a little lightly here because I don't think Russell Westbrook um, would come at me, but he is the number one guy in the NBA who I would not want to mess with, somebody I would not want beef with. Uh, As far as LeBron goes, he doesn't scare me at all, but he scares me. And I don't understand why Russell Westbrook is such, you know, a uh, a dick. I guess you could say. I I think he's one of the hardest players to play with in the NBA. I really wouldn't want to mess with him. And I don't know. I just feel like he views the NBA and his game as sort of a, it's it's his way or the highway type of thing. I'm not really sure why Paul George wanted to play there, but they work, and it's it's a weird dynamic. He's a nice guy, don't get me wrong, but it's a weird dynamic. He's hard-nosed. He's got sort of that Kobe, that FU attitude. You know, it's you know if you're not going to work hard, you know, just leave the team. Um, and he's popular among you know the younger generation. He's a big reason as to why the NBA is so huge now. But he's got to he's got to lighten up a little bit, and maybe you know that takes away from his uh, persona. Because he was, you know, he was being a little bit of an ass in the media when they were asking him about it. He just wouldn't answer any questions about it. But again, no, number one guy I wouldn't mess with. So I guess that's why I'm sort of treading lightly here. But you know, Russell Westbrook, he's got to lighten up a little bit. Um, I think that'd be good, good deal for him. 
Now we'll go to baseball. Only one story to talk about in baseball. The season's coming up here soon. We're going to talk a lot more about it next week. But Carlos Gonzalez signed a minor league deal with the Indians. One-year minor league deal. Three-time All-Star with the Rockies. Hit 280 last year with 16 home runs. Now that's in Coors Field. One of the easiest places to hit home runs and hit in general. So I'm not going to take that with a grain of salt. But still a good signing for the Indians. They need some outfield depth. And Carlos Gonzalez has shown that he can produce at a high level. Uh, I'm not really sure if he can do it still. But it's worth the flyer, worth the opportunity. I'm a big flyer guy. I love when my teams take flyers out on guys or just teams in general. Uh, and I think this is a good deal for the Indians. Because worst comes to worst, you know, you cut him. It's, not, it's a cheap deal. Best comes to best. He is what he was with the Rockies, you know, a solid outfielder, possible all-star candidate. Uh, so Carlos Gonzalez to the Indians. So we have a new segment. We don't do a lot of segments on this show. I want to do that more. It's called Carlos Santana did what? Carlos Santana, not the uh, guitar guy. Carlos Santana, the baseball player, one of my favorite Indians of all time. I have a poster of him hanging up in my room right now. When hit with his arm stretched wide after he caught the ball to send us to the World Series. I actually got that sign from him. One of my favorite Indians of all time. One year with the Phillies last year, and now he's back because he loves the Indians and we love him here. There was a story that came out yesterday. Uh, a story that caused management from the Phillies to comment on it. And a story that sort of gained a little bit of buzz. You might not have heard of it. The Fortnite story with Carlos Santana and the Philadelphia Phillies. So we're going to break this down for you like we always do on the show. Carlos Santana was with the Phillies last year, and the Phillies didn't play that well. They had a little bit of momentum in the middle of the season, but they ended up losing, I believe, you know, a nine. they went on a nine-game losing streak towards the end of the season. There was about a couple games left, but they were a nine-game losing, nine losing streak. Supposedly, uh, this is what happened, is the younger players became obsessed with Fortnite, you know, the video game that everybody plays, uh, they they became obsessed with it. You know, a lot of the younger generation is really, really, really obsessed with Fortnite, and they play it constantly. And we've sort of seen it trickle into locker rooms and sports. We've heard stories about you know coaches in college, especially banning it from the locker room, banning their players from playing it because it's a very addicting game, and it can kind of screw you um, with you know your success. Because next thing you know, you go on to play a couple games. I play it myself. And it's three hours later, and you know the day is just shot. But anyways, people are banning it. Coaches are banning it from locker rooms, and I guess the Phillies got really obsessed with it. And you know, after they lost their ninth consecutive game at the end of the season, Carlos Santana got pissed off at the younger players because they kept playing Fortnite, and it just seems like they didn't care. So what he did is he took a nice wooden bat. Carlos Santana has a pretty good, powerful bat. And he smashed the TV so guys wouldn't play Fortnite in the locker room. He didn't confront them because Carlos Santana isn't that type of guy. He's not really a uh, uh, vocal leader. You know, he's kind of a quiet guy. But he is one of those strong, silent type of leaders. And when you see, I'm not sure, there was conflicting reports if he did it uh, when players were around or if he didn't. Jake Arrieta said he did it. Uh, when everybody left, but some people said he did it when everybody was around, so I'm not really sure when he did it, um, but that's still, that's a scary sight. I, it's it's kind of like when a, you know, a funny teacher, somebody you love, you know, 
uh, who always jokes around with the class or when like a funny substitute comes around and he gets all pissed off at the class for something they were doing if the class was goofing around too much and he screams at you or yells at you or you know she you know freaks out on you it's kind of like that you know because once that happens once somebody who is usually a joking you know a quiet type of person you know steps out of their way to scream and yell and you know command respect just instantly everybody listens everybody freaks out it's scary it's a scary sight and i think carlos santana sent a message with the phillies i don't think this played in part to him leaving the phillies last year getting traded from them maybe it did maybe it didn't but this is the type of player i want to have around my locker room don't be playing fortnite when the indians are losing nine straight games but good thing the indians they got sort of a thing with mario kart they don't play fortnite they play a lot of mario kart but thankfully, our division is bad enough to where we get to the playoffs, so we don't have to worry. And we're a pretty good team, so we don't have to worry about nine-game losing streaks. But if we do, hopefully the Indians will stop playing you know, Mario Kart once uh, that happens. Because Carlos Santana is coming around with the bat, and he's going to destroy it. So it's an interesting story. I thought that was a fun story to talk about. Uh, but that's it for our show today. We want to thank you to our sponsors, D's Home Cuts. Thank you to everybody who listened today. We want to thank you. Uh, for that, you can listen to us on multiple platforms, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Go ahead and leave us a five-star review, uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you're listening to us. Listen to us also on 12OunceSports.com from 7 to 8 a.m. tomorrow and GrandOldSports.com as well. Uh, you can find us also on Twitter, TNT Sports Talk 12. Questions, comments, concerns, send us all through the DMs if you want to be a guest on the show. Different things, whatever you have, send us a DM and uh, we'll check it out for you and we'll respond to you pretty quickly. We get back to you pretty quickly. Uh, but again, we thank you for listening. Got some big things coming up. We got some interviews possibly in the works. Uh, probably nothing for Thursday, but maybe Tuesday we might have an interview for you guys. Uh, we got something scheduled right now, but it could change like it has in the past. But we thank you for listening. Tune in on Thursday as we break down some of the first matchups of the NCAA and some of the playing games that are already going to be happening Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, but other than that, have a great day and tune in on Thursday. Thanks, guys.